0: well good evening everyone and welcome to our wednesday night service it's february the first day and uh, you wonder where is this day going where is this year going i'm thinking that i was selling chandri today that before long we'll be looking at tulips coming up i can't wait for the spring to happen and for Uh, to see the spring flowers and spring vegetation and all of that. But um, we're glad we're in church tonight. It's extremely cold tonight, and it's going to be colder yet during uh, the next couple of days. And then next week, uh, the weather will improve. By by Tuesday, I think we should be looking at 7 degrees Celsius, which is quite a jump up. And because the weather is changing, I think we can plan to have our anniversary weekend not this coming weekend, but the following weekend. And I'm thinking that whatever situation happens, we'll just go ahead and have the anniversary weekend. Whether we are in town or not in town, we'll still go ahead and have the anniversary weekend. And so we want to look forward for that. Tonight, I want to start in prayer. But um, before I do that, you know, I really wish our churches would be more involved in prayer. And tonight, if the Lord helps us, I'd like to talk to you about every grace of God that the devil has perverted. I won't be able to touch every grace of God, but every time God has uh, requested or God has demand or God has commanded his people to serve him a certain way, the adversary has in a subtle manner come on in and twisted things around that people that are not sensitive to the spirit can think God is there when God is long gone. They can think the spirit they feel in the service is the spirit of God when really it is the spirit of the devil or the flesh. And so if ever there was a need for God's people to pray. And when I say that, you know, Catholics all over the world pray. Muslims, I think they pray three or five times a day. Now, saying prayer and praying prayers are two different things. And a lot of individuals in the Christian world, they say prayers. They perform the ritual prayer life that they want to let others know that they're having. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the need for men of God and God's people to seek after Him desperately and to pray desperately. And so if ever there was something I'd like to see happen this year, is that we improve in our prayer lives. And one of the things I will trust the Lord to do is introduce... Um, prayer before each service. When I say prayer, don't just rush into the service, but we spend some time and pray before each service. That will be a good starting point because a prayerless church is a powerless church. And a powerless church that prays has not really prayed. I'm going to say that again. A prayerless church is a powerless church and a powerless church that prays a lot has not really prayed because as long as a church prays the power of god would be there and so you might be chanting prayers or have ritualistic prayers that god does not even listen to tonight we want to pray as we start this service before we get into the worship and i want you to join me let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Wednesday night. Dear Father, that we can come before you, approaching you, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Savior. We thank you for these that are out here facing the cold and the weather and still are in church. We thank you for faithful saints. We thank you for those who by patient continuance in well-doing is seeking to please you and to obey you in all aspects of their lives. Tonight, Lord, we bring our assembly first of all before you. Everyone who is present in church tonight we bring before you and those who are not here. We pray for the spiritual growth and development of our people, Father, that you would help us. We understand so much that it's not by human might, human genius, human wisdom or human power, but it's by your spirit. So please, the heavenly Father, give us of your spirit. May one of these days, Lord, we experience whatever they experience on the day of Pentecost. We will where when we will not fabricate something that makes us feel good, but your spirit will genuinely be poured out in our midst, Father. We will seek thee desperately and sincerely, and you will touch our lives and change us and transform us. Not a reformation, Lord, but a transforming by your power and your spirit. We need more of your spirit, more of your presence, more of your power, Father. I bring every family in this church before you tonight. I pray that, Lord, you will touch each leader of every family, whether it's a husband or a wife, uh, kids that are destitute of two parents. Lord, we pray that you'll look at, into each one of our homes tonight and touch our minds. Touch every husband. Touch every wife. Touch every child, Father. Everyone that's a part of this church, we pray that you'll touch them, whether here in Canada or the United States. And Lord, tonight, everyone following us online and those that would listen to this message later on, we pray, O Father, that you will continue to open the eyes of your people's understanding. Deliver us from the powers of darkness. Deliver us from the snares of the enemy. Father, help us to be spiritually minded and to have a spiritual insight into what lies ahead of us. Help us to face the challenges that lie ahead and help us to come through as victorious, Father. We pray for every sick child of God physically that you'll touch them. And we pray for those that are sick spiritually that you'll touch them. O Lord, encourage your people. Help us, O God, to be able... To become faithful even unto the end. Not to be easily discouraged, but to develop a spiritual stability and stamina. Oh God, even unto the end. We pray, Lord, for every one of our assemblies in this fellowship. Churches here in North America. Lord, church, uh, the assemblies in the New York region and Connecticut. Oh Lord, we pray for the church in North Carolina, Brother Brintley and Sister Celeste and Brother Glenn, the assembly in Des Moines. We pray for Brother Antoine and Sister Rosemary, Father, Brother Moses and his wife, and Lord, other individuals, Brother Feliz and Brother Eugene, and oh God, these men that are laboring in that part of the country, we pray you'll be with every one of your children, Lord. Touch brother Richard and sister Helen. Lord, we pray for our people, our ministers here in North America, that we might have not even mentioned Lord, but have overlooked members of individuals that are sick, like brother Daniel Beer and oh Lord, Philip Kemper. Do we pray for that you will touch him also, Father? Oh God, please, we need you. If ever there was a time, Father, that we need you, it is in these days. We need you desperately, Father. Pray for work around the world. Pray for the work in the Caribbean, in Haiti, Lord, Dominican Republic. Pray for the work, oh God, in Africa and in India, the saints in Vasai, Lord, and the saints in South Africa. Every part, Uganda, Nairobi, Lord, every part of the the work of god we bring before you father we pray that you'll touch men and help us to be saved save ministers as well as congregations father we pray bless our service tonight be with us this week we give you thanks we give you honor we give you glory touch our minds we pray in jesus name and for his glory amen praise god <clears throat> that is not an easy thing to do to trust to trust the lord it must have been in proverbs that solomon wrote and he said here as soon as i can find it he says trust in the lord <clears throat> proverbs chapter 3 And verse five, he says, trust in the Lord. And it's one thing to say, I trust, I trust you. Um, I remember prior to Brother Goodwin's passing, it was in 1996, 1996, uh, July, we had a meeting here And he was present here. And uh, during his visit, we went into his hotel room. And we were privileged to sit with him. And um, Chandri asked him a question. And she said, Brother Goodwin, when can I trust someone? And he normally calls her Chandri. He pulled a chair and he sat down and he he says, Chandri, I'm going to tell you all the people I trust. And he start with, number one that he trusted was one that betrayed him. Um, he, he started with number one and then he went down the line and he named a lot of people that he trusted. And he said, you know, Shandri, these are people that I trust. He says, but I never trust anyone. Totally, I trust God. He says, never put your trust in anyone. Completely. Put your trust in God. And I believe when he said that, what he meant, I can trust you when I see Christ in your life. I trust the Christ in you. But when Solomon makes a statement like this, trust in the Lord. Not just, hey Lord, I trust you. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. I am not happy to say that I don't trust the Lord with all my heart. I trust some judgments I make. I trust the Lord a whole lot, but I trust a lot of judgments I make. And someone would come to me and ask me a question uh, concerning something to do in their own lives or their own life. And... Um, I wouldn't say I'll pray about it if I can give you a decision right away. I mean, some decisions are black and white. It's not problem. It's a problem. You say, well, brother, saying, you know, I want to commit sin. I'll tell you, no. But if it's a decision to do with your life and what uh, you have to do or like a job situation or a marriage engagement or something like that, I might make a decision without praying about it and it's not good it's always good to seek the lord on every matter and not to let my own ego or wisdom get in the place and i'm saying that because i would like each one of us to come to the place that we can trust in the lord not to a certain extent with all our hearts I believe that's not an easy place to get to. But when we can trust in the Lord with all our heart, it means that my own understanding does not hold priority to God's decision. I might love this this particular something I want to get. That's what I want. But when I learn to trust God, I know it should not be something... I want to get because I'm fulfilling a lust or a desire in my life. And that is why it says here, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In other words, your wisdom is not as important as God's will. Listen to me carefully. Your your understanding, your wisdom, your desire, what you want. And we said that today. We said it's one thing to want something, it's another thing to need it. Um, A lot of us, we just want things and we get carried away. And it's the subtlety of the devil that deals with our human mind and our human desires and our carnal nature that drives us contrary to what God wants. And sometimes it's an important decision. Like today, we decided that we'll have the next weekend as the anniversary weekend. Uh, But suppose we have a tragedy that we had to go attend a funeral or something like that before the weekend then we will still have the anniversary weekend in spite of what you see i've already made that decision we can't put god says okay postpone you lord let's wait and see what we'll do we'll have to make some decisions and hope that god helps us through it Mm -hmm. and if it is with his will he will work things out according to his plan over in in the gospel of luke Uh, Jesus is making a a comment here to Peter. And uh, he talks about Gentile leadership and things like this earlier in that chapter. But in verse 31, and the Lord said, he was talking to Peter, he said unto Peter, Simon, Simon, behold Satan, the adversary, uh, the name Satan, is translated adversary it's just meaning Satan is an adversary you can be a Satan um, you can become an adversary uh, Satan is not the devil's name it's just the the devil and not a description of the devil um, did he have a name well if he was Lucifer even then a name describes a nature uh, he is called Satan, he's called that old serpent, he's called the dragon. There are all kinds of terms used to describe him. But Jesus turned to Peter, and while we are talking about this, I want us to examine our own lives in the light of the scripture. Jesus said, Satan desired, or he wants to ask that he can work in your life. The margin, if you have an Oxford Bible, it would say, obtain you by asking. He wants you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to be given permission to deal with you like he probably dealt with Job. And our concept of the devil sometimes is a little thwarted. It. It's a little distorted. It's a little contrary to what really the Who really the devil is and what his function is. And how did Jesus know that Satan wanted Peter to work in his life? It is obvious that the devil told the Lord that can I have privilege to work in Peter's life. And so Jesus said, Satan desired to have you. That he may sift you as wheat. He wants to put you through pressure. And shake you up. And trample on the wheat until the husk comes off. The devil's plan was not to take the chaff out. It was to destroy Peter. And uh, Jesus said. But I prayed for you. That your faith will not fail. Now it would have been nice if Jesus said but I I rebuke the devil and he's gone. But he didn't. Jesus knew that for Peter to reach to the place of maturity and become an overcomer, he needed the devil to sift him. And that's the same that we can say about Job. Job was a perfect man in the eyes of mankind. God saw flaws inside that only God would see and God knew. And the process that Job went through was to eliminate the chaff and to produce a better man when the job was over. It was not a process I would like to go through. Like Job went through, the man lost all his wealth. He became bankrupt overnight bankrupt his possessions his wealth all was gone overnight and if that was not bad enough his family his sons and his daughters got destroyed while they were having a little get-together in a matter of days Job who feared God and loved God saw the worst of days anyone would ever desire that would ever have happened Uh, i would not want to happen to them and so he lost his wealth he lost his family and to crown it all boils were placed on him putrefying sores were put on the man's body and uh, he had pus all over And he sat in ashes. And his wife, out of compassion, I believe the devil used her, but out of compassion, she walked over and she says, You know what? You're really suffering here. It's time to go. Just curse God and let him kill you. I cannot bear to see you suffer. Curse God and die. And Job looked at her. But you see, one of the things that Job understood, he understood that the process God was taking him through was necessary. He understood that God had allowed the devil into his life. But here is the amazing thing. Not one part of the entire book of Job did Job give the devil credit for his torment or his trials. He never mentioned one time. That Satan get behind me or Satan is responsible. Not a single time because he knew that the devil could only touch him if God had given the devil permission to do so. And sometimes our process, we'll talk a little bit about the devil before the service comes to an end. But sometimes our process involves things that we complain about. I don't know why this is happening to me. When you make a statement like that, you're telling God that he's an idiot that doesn't know what he's doing. When you're a child of God and you make a statement and you understand God and you understand the sovereignty of God and you make a statement that I don't, can't understand what's happening, it means that you're accusing God that God does not know what he's doing in your life. And so, does God back away because you make a statement like that? No, he turns the burner higher. Because the chaff in your life must be burnt out. The chaff in Peter's life had to be burnt out. And so, when we come to the place of understanding a few things, first of all, we are serving the Lord here tonight. We're in church. Fifteen of us, maybe sixteen. Sixteen. We're in church and we're here because we love the Lord and we're serving the Lord. That's what we say, serve. You know, we come to the service. You know when your car needs oil change, you go for service. Well, your car, I don't know if it needs oil change. That's why you're here tonight. But we call this service. And it is should be designed to get you ready for another Rest of the week, to live for God for the rest of the week. It's to charge you up. But we're here tonight, and as I'm talking to you, around the world we have a globe. And I've got, uh, you know, we've got an amazing world. This globe, and I'm trying to talk to her, little Bangladesh girl, because she wakes up when I'm ready to sleep. And she sent a message, good morning, Grandpa. And I said, no, it's nighttime in Canada, and it's morning in Bangladesh. Good night, Grandpa. No, it's morning in Canada. It's night in Bangladesh. And that's how it is, because one part of the world might be sleeping, and the other part is awake. But around this globe, there are all kinds of religion. Millions of individuals are involved in pagan religions. The Hindus. And the Buddhists. And the Confucianists. If that's how you call them. We're talking about all these religions. Some we know and some we don't know. All around the world. And everyone in their religion feel they're right. Everyone feels is sincere in his religion. Well, forget the pagan customs and the other religions. Think about Christianity. Christianity is made of a lot of Christians. The Catholics alone is of over one billion Catholics. Faithful, dedicated, more than some of us. Uh, we pass a halfway Catholic church, like a halfway Uh, Orthodox Church on the way here. And when they have uh, New Year's Eve, you can't even have place to pass on the road. Cars are parked up and they're freezing, but they're there because they're faithful. We serve God and we feel like we are the only thing serving God. I want to tell you, there's a lot of people serving God. And Whether it's a Pentecostal, or a Presbyterian, or a Baptist, or a Catholic, or an Episcopalian, there's all kinds of denominations that are part of Christianity. And I would like to say that pagan religions were not started because somebody wanted to start a religion. It was started because the devil needed to start religions to get mankind distracted from serving the true God. And that is why we have heathen religions around the world. Coming closer to home, the reason why we have so many denominations among Christians is because the same devil that has started all of that religion Pagan religion has been successful in dividing the church and the Christian world into many denominations, each one convinced and believed that they are right. For you and I tonight, if we didn't feel like we were right, we'll not be here. But it's saying, Do you feel you're right? Well, I put it like this. If I'm wrong, nobody is right. That's what I told Chandri last this week. I said, if I am wrong on my interpretation of scripture, nobody is right. But I could be wrong and everybody else is wrong. You understand what I'm saying? But I cannot be so naive to the reality that the Bible tells me a different story. And as I look at my Bible, and I'm not going to get into all of these prophetic scriptures tonight, but as I look at my Bible, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, Jesus said, many, first of all, he said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Well, we are few, maybe that's why we are few. We found it. No? There's a lot of few like us and less than us that's meeting for church tonight. Doesn't mean that. But when we look at scripture, we cannot ignore something that is called reality. Could we be among the few? Possibly. Could we be included in the many? Possibly. Because it's talking worldwide. Broad is the gate that lead, the way that leaded to, to destruction. And many go in there at. So, brother saying, the Lord really helped me. I got a lot of people, 5,000 people accepted Jesus. Okay, good. Did they really? Because as I'm reading... Further on in Matthew 7, it says, And many shall come, many, 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 many Christians. Many Christians will come to me in that day and says, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name. We preached in the name of Jesus. And we have cast, we are not just impotent. No, we cast out devils. There are times when you cast the demon of diabetes out of someone and they got they got healed from diabetes. There are infirmities that Jesus cast out demons from individuals that had an infirm crippling spirit and they became healed. All you do is cast the demon out and person can get a miracle. And many will come and say, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name, that is preached in your name, and cast out devils in your name, and done many wonderful works. Many. And he would say, I don't know you. Is it possible that we think we have an experience with Jesus and don't really have it? When I read a scripture like that, I see the possibility is there when i turn over to revelation the 13th chapter i see the beastly system civil government uh, controlling the world and a civil government is operating under the influence of the dragon or the devil all the world wonders after the beast except those few whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So when I'm seeing reality, I'm seeing that the possibility of serving God in futility lies with every single human being in the Christian church. I cannot put a blinders on that I can't see that. I must see that And that brings me to examine myself a little more in detail, because we've got an enemy that we can sing, you know, like Sunday school. Satan is a sly old fox, and if I catch him, I'd lock him in a box. Well, songs like that were invented by people that, I wouldn't say idiots, but it was invented by people that get carried away with a fantasy that Satan inspired to make him look weak. If we're fighting an enemy, whether you're a boxer or a wrestler, or going against a nation in war, you must not underestimate the strength of your adversary, otherwise you'll lose before even getting into the war. If you don't have enough soldiers to go into war, don't go into war. Make peace. Because you're taking them to die. And if we have the greatest enemy to mankind called the devil, we underestimate the power of the devil. How can we fight him? Well, don't worry about that, Jesus. You know, brother, saying uh, the the Scripture says rebuke the devil. He didn't say that. It says resist the devil. And if you don't understand how to resist the devil, you would end up and rebuke the devil, and he does not even listen to you because Satan himself is not here tonight. The devil does not show up personally. He sends his angels. And that is what for a few minutes I'll talk to you about tonight because we cannot underestimate the strength and subtlety of the devil. So whatsoever was written aforetime, which we're looking at here, we can have comfort. Whatsoever was written aforetime was written for our learning that we through patient and comfort of the scripture might have some hope. So what is written before time? I read the Bible. And the wisest king called Solomon. Wisest king. When the devil was finished with Solomon, and this is a sad part because what was brought into Solomon's life was a lot of strange women. And that is why when God sent Israel into, into the promised land, In the early chapters, I think in chapter 8, 7, and 8 of Deuteronomy, when Moses is telling it over, God says, Don't make marriages to the ungodly, lest they will take your hearts away from serving me. And we in today's world... Might be involved with individuals, whether it's your spouse or someone on the job or your friend or your family. That if your faith is not strong, they will undermine your faith and you'll be defeated. And that is why I look at the church tonight and it's empty. Because a lot of people are defeated. That's why they're not here. We're a singular old-fashioned. Yes, I am. And so is God. He says, I'm the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. And so, when I'm thinking of an adversary, when he was finished with Solomon, the wisest king, he made an idiot out of Solomon. In so much that Solomon's wives, some some of us have a problem with one unsaved partner. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines from all over the world. They come to make allegiance with Solomon to sign a peace treaty. They bring their daughter and says, you can have her there. And Solomon was not a warring man like David. He was not a bloody man like David. The difference with David and Solomon, David would not have let his wives cause him to put idols in the temple of God. Not David. David would go out and circumcise 200 Philistines. And I always wondered how he did that. You know, we sing a song in Sunday school. Sunday school really teach mess, messed up our minds. Little David, play on your harp. You think a little David would circumcise 200 Philistines and take the lion and skin his jaw open and tear it apart? No, he was a tough man. He was muscular and strong. But he was called a bloody man because you get in his way and you oppose the work of God, you're dead. So he couldn't build a temple. But Solomon, and I don't want to say cream puff, but softy Solomon was given the privilege. He was not a bloody man. He was given the privilege of Building the temple. But he was so soft. That the women that came on in his life. Turned his heart from serving God. And he put idols. For other gods in the temple of God. What a desecration. If it was not for the mercy of God. Solomon would have died lost. The wisest man. Who do you think made him do that? Who do you think supplied these wives and influenced individuals to send all of this ungodly element into Solomon's court? The devil did. When we look at that warfare between Solomon and the devil, I don't know the conversation God had with the devil about Solomon, but I'm sure he went up there and says, give me a chance, I'm going to make that wise man an idiot. And he successfully turned Solomon into an idiot. Samson, the strongest man that lived on this earth, what you can think of, jawbone of an ass, he killed a thousand Philistines with the piece of a bone. When the devil was finished with him, he gave him a Delilah that got him took, and his hair got cut, and his, his Nazarite uh, uh, principles were transgressed, and he was grinding at the mill of the Philistines. We have an enemy that's powerful, and you will be naive to say, well, I'm going to tell the devil to run, and he's going to run. No, he's not going to run. He'll make you believe he's running. When the Bible says resist the devil is resist the temptations of the devil in your own flesh. When he says lust, don't lust. When he says, here is what I want you to do. Waste your time. Don't waste your time. Redeem the time because the days are evil. I haven't touched one scripture. Even though I'm in the scripture, I haven't touched the scripture yet. But here, let's go. And so here in Ephesians... Just a few scriptures I want tonight, and I'm starting with Ephesians chapter 6. You and I must be conscious about the reality of what exists in the world. About the reality when Jesus comes back, how many people would be saved. About the reality of the scarcity of dedicated individuals in the work of God. About the reality of the devil's strength. And from history what he did. Every time I open my Bible and I read about Jeremiah and Isaiah. It was because Israel thought they were worshipping God. But they were not really worshipping God. They were in iniquity. They burned incense. They did all the mechanics of religion. But they did. Isaiah need to come and preach to them and tell them how evil they were and how far they were from God even though their offerings and the flamboyance of their worship was spectacular. Jeremiah had the same problem. And every prophet, Jesus said, he sent prophets unto them. Why did all the prophets come? Because Israel was always evil. Few times they were really obeying God. Most of the time, the length of our Old Testament is because of a rebellious people called Israel. Well, those Israelites, no, no, no. Think about the early church. Every church that the Lord started. While Paul was still alive, he saw Galatia go under and Corinth go under. And all these churches go under. He knew the strength of the adversary. And that is why Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And he says, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in vitamins, multivitamins, some D's, a thousand units of D every day, and calcium, and I'm trying to get potassium, and magnesium, be strong so you devil come, you can't, no, 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 that's not what he's talking about. If you're drinking all the vitamins and don't pray, you're a weakling. And before you know it, everything that God started, the devil copied and counterfeited. And the Lord sent Moses and he says, tell Aaron to cast his rod before Pharaoh so he can see a miracle. And Aaron's rod became a viper. Pharaoh called his serpent servants and his suit and he says, do your little magic here and cast your rods down. <laughs> and they all cast their rods and all kinds of serpents came out. The devil likes to counterfeit what God does. He likes to counterfeit, not only that situation. You know, Moses, uh, Aaron's rod ate up the serpents. But <clears throat> what about uh, God wants his church to be called a woman. The devil provides his church as a woman. The devil, the God sends out preachers and the devil has made himself an angel of light and sends out apostles just like God has done. And if the devil duplicates everything that God is doing. First of all, I like to tell you, don't fake in church. Don't shake if God's not shaking you. Don't put on an air to create an impression. You see, I can get behind the pulpit and put on a voice. That song's anointed and I didn't pray for a month. And the gullible saints can be carried away with that because I can scream and get them to holler and I'm hollering and they're hollering and we're all making noise and we're fooling ourselves. Don't fake. Somebody hold your head and says, speak, 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 speak in tongues. Tell them to stop that nonsense. I had a brother do that one time. I was in a men's prayer room uh, in Des Moines. And I'm, I'm, you know, they had a men's prayer room. That was a good thing they had. And I'm down there praying. And then suddenly a brother, God bless his soul. He's passed now. He coming. He's into my ears. Oh, God, help her sing. Oh, God. I stopped. I said, can you stop screaming in my ears? And the Holy Ghost left him right away. And you know, he stopped. Uh, you know, I was an older man. But he was, uh, you know I'm talking about, Jan. Yeah, and um, I told him, I said, stop screaming in my ears, please. And he, he lost his spirit, and he stopped. We don't do that. We don't force people. We don't force the spirit. We don't tell children to speak, speak, speak. The Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, nobody went around and told him to speak, speak, speak. You see, we are good in fabricating something and make believe that God is there when God's not there. When God is there, lives will be changed. The New Testament church coming out of the day of Pentecost shook the world. We shake, but we don't shake the world. And so Paul is saying here, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How can you be strong in the Lord? And he lists some of these things that you need to do. He says here in verse uh, verse 13, take unto you the whole armor of God. He says, if you're going to be fighting the devil, here is what you need. You need to protect yourself, put on some armor. He says uh, that you might be able to uh, stand. stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So, number one is actually in verse 17. Take unto you the helmet of. Paul wrote it, or the translators mixed it up, but I'm separating it the way I want it. Verse 17 take on the helmet of salvation. First of all, you gotta be saved, my friend. Not sing choruses, you gotta be saved. You got to go to the altar and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my e- all the evil that lies in me and save me from my sins. That's how it is. Helmet of salvation. Number two, it says breastplate, verse 14b, breastplate of righteousness. When when I'm putting on, I'm going to protect myself. I can't live harem scarum and expect to be Able to fight off the devil. I've got to be righteous. Not self-righteous. Ishaq can be self-righteous. Look like a Christian. I told her to Sinbad, I said, this suit is almost 30 years old. He was telling me his is 35 or something like that. I said, mine, this jacket here is about 30 years old. And I showed him, I said, you know, I keep things forever. And that's, you know, like I like to uh, keep things forever i was not rich when i was growing up so i have a value for things and i keep things forever and leslie didn't believe me i pulled my coat like this i said bellissimo sears brand and i say you see the section here it was coming loose and i had them stitch it up and i pull it back now you know what's under the coat but you see self-righteousness i can put the white shirt on put a necktie on Get my hair groomed and con you to believe my heart is right. But a heart can be desperately wicked. Not self-righteous, breastplate of righteousness. He says here, thirdly, uh, shield of faith, verse 16. I must have faith, not talk faith, faith. Believe God. We have, we're living in an age where the devil has provided everything to use as a substitute to destroy your faith and confidence in God. One of the best ways the devil can undermine your faith is the medicine cabinet and the vitamin vitamin pill boxes. Preachers have more faith in vitamins and in the medicine cabinet than they have in God. Oh, if you're sick and you got to drink something, go drink it. But remember, God must be given priority. You know, I've got problems in my body every so often. You got little aches and pains and I told someone today, I said, you know, seniority comes with a lot of benefits, old age pension, you know, and, and uh, discount at Shoppers Drug Mart, 20% on a Thursday, Mandarin every day, 20% at that restaurant. You can get 10% at um, Lanzarote. I'm telling this guy at the bank, I said, there's a lot of benefits and I said included it. It is arthritis, lumbago, diabetes and everything else that comes with old age. Scripture tells us if we're at a war with the devil, we must be able to put on some of these things shield of faith, 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 helmet of, um, where is it? Um, the shield of faith, number three, number four, our loins guard about with truth, reality. Truth is reality, not only doctrine, truth. If you're not honest about yourself, you will not be able to accept other individuals. You've got to come to the place of understanding. Are you a hypocrite or not a hypocrite? If you say, I'm a hypocrite. I, don't, I really want to hide some things. You will seek God a little bit more. And you'll be honest. When it's time to go, go for prayer. You'll be joining the line. Because you know, really I can't do this by myself. I need God. But if you don't believe God can heal you. Go to the doctor. Join the doctor's line. And medicine... Kills while it heals. Did you ever know that? Medicine kills while it heals. When you take a Tylenol, it shocks your nerve. It does not eliminate the problem that you had. It eases the pain and it does more damage to you in the long run. If you take enough Advil, your liver would be gone and your kidneys would be gone. But we need to trust God, even though we're living and trusting on some of these medical signs around us. We need to trust God some more. And time is running out on me here, but here it goes on, it says, Sheila Faith, uh, feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and finally the sword of the Spirit. But backing up here to verse 10 and 11, and this is what I want to bring your attention to. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And that's why we went through the seven parts of what it takes to be strong. And above all of that, even though it lists seven items, in verse 18 it says, praying always. You can have all these elements, but if you're not praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, you'll be powerless. And so, we want to close this lesson off, even though I've got a dozen other scriptures to look at. But, here, come back in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, let's all read this. Be strong in the Lord and in the power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Everybody say, wiles of the devil. While God has a plan to save us, the devil has many plans to deceive us. And that is why as a child of God, every day you cannot ignore the fact that Satan wants to deceive you that day. And as you face your day and you start your day, find a time to pray. Ask God, Lord, forgive me this day, my trespasses. Well, you brother saying, I said that already, and I can't tell him every day the same thing. When the disciples asked Jesus, "How many times should I forgive my brother?" He says seven. They says seven times. He says seventy times seven. If he expects human beings to forgive each other four hundred and ninety times, I wonder how much God is able to forgive you. Paul prayed. He says, I got a thorn in the flesh. Something that's put on my body. And I want it off. But God didn't want it off. See, like Peter, Paul had thorn in the flesh. What was it? We don't know exactly. I've speculated a few. Speculation. He says, I prayed and fasted three times and asked God to remove it. God says, no. My grace is sufficient for you. That that you want removed is designed to save you. How many people can say, thank you, Lord, for the cross? Thank you for this bad experience, oh God! And I pray that I would never have Job's experience. But the wiles of the devil is something that we all need to consider. When I look at the church, I must ask myself, is that God moving or the devil moving? When I listen to a preacher, I must ask myself, is he under the inspiration of God or is he a tool of the devil? When a gossiper comes to me, I must ask myself, who is influencing this person to put that junk in my ears? And you know, as a pastor, years of experience, Sometimes I watch under the sun and see things happen. And I ask myself, why is it nobody ever called me and tell me bad things about Lloyd Goodwin? Why is it nobody ever called me and tell me bad things about the church? Why is it nobody ever called me and told me that this church is a bad church? Why would someone call you and tell you bad things about the church and about the pastor and about the saints except they underestimate or they feel that you're, not, you're one of those that could be led astray? That your mind is open for junk and so they target you and they, you have not set an example to them enough to keep the enemy away. We need to have spiritual disinfectant. We need to have spiritual deterrent. That when individuals see us, the light affects their darkness. That they don't want to hobnob at you. We have the wiles of the devil operating in the work of God all around the world. I've given you enough reason to understand that the broad gate is full of individuals... I've given you enough understanding tonight to let you reconsider that the wildest of the devil can have you saying, Lord, Lord, and prophesy in his name and be going contrary to what his divine will is. I've given you enough from Scripture to show you the examples of Scripture. Israel failed God all the time. Come in the New Testament, the same problem happened. People get carried away. The churches did not close they have church. And one of the remarkable example is Sardis. Sardis of the seven churches of Asia Minor. Five of those. God rebuked. They had the seat of Satan in the church. Is it possible that we can have the seat of Satan in our church? Can I hear you? Yeah. Absolutely. But the remarkable thing about Sardis, they created such an impression, just like Isaiah chapter one, Israel created an impression to the world. People said, those Israelites really love God. Look at their offerings, their dedication, their music, all this stuff. They really love God. Well, they said the same about Sardis. The Lord said to Sardis, he says, you have a name that you're alive. He says, but my opinion is that you're dead. And a lot of churches today are dead. May God help us that we don't go dead. But you know the church, it's nice saying that, right? It's nice saying the church go dead. Guess what? You are a part of the church. My question as I close tonight, do you know the wiles of the devil? Are you under his influence? Are you being deceived by the devil? Help us to understand that we need to resist him in our daily lives and how we live. Give us wisdom. but more than all, Father, we ask that you'll give us of your spirit. In Jesus' name, we commit our weekend before you. Bless our weekend, we ask. Touch every child of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.